this whole thing started because I looked around. I was a director of miscellaneous and I felt... Coolest title ever. Coolest title ever. <laughs> Shout out to Bravely in Singapore for being the ones that um, came up with that. So I looked around me and I couldn't see anyone else that looked like me on LinkedIn. Hey friend, it's David Nabinski here in Brooklyn. Here at the Portfolio Career Podcast, we help you take ownership of your portfolio career and design the life that you want to live. Today's conversation is with Millie Tamati. Millie was visiting New York City from a small island off of Scotland, and through some friends commenting on a tweet, we got together and meet up and record this episode in person. I love the magic of the internet like this. Millie is the founder of Generalist World, a new community that has really exploded in popularity starting in the summer of 2022. You'll hear how Millie started the community, how it grew rapidly, how Millie has shifted the business model in the last couple of months, how being a generalist is valuable in today's workforce, and so much more. As always, this episode with timestamp notes is available on my website at PortfolioCareerPodcast.com. There, you can subscribe to my newsletter and Substack and sign up for my free podcasting course. So excited for you to build and grow your portfolio career. Here we go with Millie. Millie, welcome to the show in person. Thank you. So excited. <laughs> um, let's just dive right in. Um, yeah. What, what do you think about generalists? Why do you think generalists are like valuable mm-hmm. in the workplace these days? Oh, great question. Big one to start on. I think there's a there's a bunch of things that are happening in the world that contribute to this. The first is post-COVID. So folks are rethinking their careers. They're rethinking where they fit into the world, into the workplace. Um, so you've kind of got that happening. And then on the other side, you've got companies who are now like laying off like left right center and they're realizing oh gosh like we actually need these um maybe we need to rethink the way that we're hiring in these org structures and i think those two kind of things combined just make it this really interesting time for people who are generalists and i say that as someone who this time last year didn't have that language Mm. even though i've been a generalist my entire career i had never heard of the word generalist um so you've kind of got this perfect storm of um, all of these like macro factors and a big part of what I'm doing now is um, helping to educate both on the company side and on the generalist side because so many folks are like I have no idea that I'm actually a generalist. Mm. So they're saying I don't know that I uh, this is on the employee side Mm -hmm. or uh, they don't know that I'm a generalist or you're kind of educating them. Um, Talk to us about like it seems like you've been positioning or or been communicating to generalists that like it's valuable Mm -hmm. to be a generalist. Mm -hmm. Um, What makes you think that? Yeah. So I think it's about the public narrative has always been that, you know, specialize, go deep, focus on one problem, climb the career ladder. Um, But my take is that that isn't necessarily the only way. Um, I think that there are, there's huge value in being a generalist. I think that by having generalists in companies, it promotes this diversity of thought. Mm. And I think that's what's missing. I hear so many times, I've lost times of the amount I've been tagged in posts about the generalist versus specialist debate. And my take on it is that it's actually the wrong debate in the first place. I believe it should be generalist plus specialists. 
generalists have a different way of looking at the world. Um, I see it as an identity, an approach to life, an approach to work. Um, I see the value being instead of being really, really close to a problem, so you really can't get the full picture. And so where a generalist is valuable is when it comes to lateral thinking and problem solving. Um, and we have someone in the community that describes her role at her company as the thread that ties everything together. Mm. It's about connecting the dots. Um, and for a long time, I think that hasn't been seen as valuable because it's really hard to sometimes measure that. Sometimes the value of a generalist, it's like, well, I know they're really, really important at the company, but it's not like, you know, I'm a developer and here is my piece of code. Um, it can be in these kind of intangible ways that the value comes through. Yeah. Uh, and so you mentioned that a year ago you didn't really have the language. Mm -hmm. um, like what, what would you say to yourself a year ago to the, to the generalist that's, you know, starting to identify or is looking for a new role that is like, Hey, I think I'm this thing. I think I am a generalist. I identify as that. What would you say to that generalist a year ago? I love that question. Um, I think to answer it, I'd need to give a bit of context to where I was a year ago. Um, so I was working, uh, so for actually even a little step back further than that, my entire career has been non-traditional, non-linear. I've been building businesses, launching businesses, starting businesses, and I've always found my kind of happy place in that early stage of company. Didn't really know why. Now I know why. It's probably because I'm a generalist. Um, and so I'd been building all of these companies and when uh, around a year ago I was working as the director of miscellaneous um, at a mental health tech startup based out of Singapore and honestly that was the first time that someone had like seen my skill set um, and been like we're not going to try and put you in a box or label you here um, we actually really need someone I was employee number six I think we need someone who can flex across like all teams, all domains. Um, and so what I would say to Millie one year ago is that your skill set is a feature, not a bug. It is, it's what makes you valuable rather than trying to squeeze yourself into a specialized box um, and lean into it and learn to craft that story and learn mm. to own that story. I think for a really long time, I desperately wanted to just like fit in and be like, <laughs> oh yeah, I work in product, perfect little box, like, or I work in content, perfect little box, really easy. And I really wanted to fit in and I felt a little bit like broken or um, wrong for like deep down knowing mm. that I was happiest and most fulfilled when I could flex across um, multiple, like basically just come and solve whatever problem was happening that week. Um, so my advice to myself would be like lean into it earlier. And when I say lean into it, I mean, be proud of it. It was um, something that took me a really long time to be like, huh, no, it's, it's different, but it's awesome. It's different, but it's awesome. I love that. Yeah. And um, you mentioned business, prior businesses and prior jobs and stuff and um, some really cool uh, tours and, you know, um, 
bed and breakfast or how would you hostel uh, hostel yeah okay yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh could definitely record a podcast on some of those uh experiences <laughs> i'm sure uh lessons learned from that um but okay so lean into that it's different but it's awesome um companies are continuing to value it more um and you gave a little bit of context about the community. The community is called Generalist World, and um, you've been on kind of a rocket ship, um, from from what I've gathered. Um, but talk to us about that first trends post uh, into mm. the trends community. What did you say then, and and what do you think? You know, how how did this kind of get started? Yeah, great question. Um, it's amazing to look back and think that that was under a year ago. As you said, it has been a wild like woof, ride. Um, so the first trends post was basically putting the feelers out there as you do at the beginning. You're like, I have this whole thing started because I looked around. I was a director of miscellaneous and I felt coolest title ever. Coolest title ever. <laughs> Shout out to Bravely in Singapore for being the ones that um, came up with that. So I looked around me and I couldn't see anyone else that looked like me on LinkedIn. Everyone seemed to be very focused on this like very specific um, specialized career. So the first thing I put out was a genuine question, which is like, am I the only one? If there's others say hi, give me a wave. And I think overnight there was something like 50 waves. And as I'm not sure how familiar you are with trends.co, but it's full of like entrepreneurs and founders. And honestly, they're the best generalists. <laughs> so no surprise that that gave me my first little like um, burst of feedback and validation that hmm maybe there's something to this um, and from there I I'm someone that when I come across a problem and I can see a solution to connect A to B I just get really obsessed and the more that I dig into this generalist problem the more I see that it like everyone's overlooked it forever um, including myself. I mean, I've had a career of 10 years and it's been right in front of me my whole time, my whole career. Um, but it's only now that I've really had like the confidence and the language to be able to start to piece together, like what a generalist needs, how I can help and where we fit into the world. Yeah. And it seems like, um, it's usually a, like a company of less than 50 employees is, is usually kind of the sweet spot for generalist. Well, that's the big question mark, right? So this is where I'm spending a lot of my time thinking. Um, I think traditionally the answer would be yes. Mm. Generalists um, fit into early stage because yeah, you have to wear many hats. That's like a prerequisite of being at a startup. Um, my big question mark is, is that true? So I think that as companies scale, as they get bigger, um, org structures become really rigid and um, it seems like there's less places for generalists. But I think that's just doing what we've always done, right? Mm. So my big question mark is um, where do generalists fit in every stage? It's like every single company, no matter what stage you're at, needs problem solvers. They need innovators. They need people who can connect the dots across all of these different teams, even more so when the teams grow and eventually become siloed. Um, so I'm only eight months into this, like, <laughs> but my feeling, my hunch 
is that um, the only reason generalists can't find their places in bigger organizations is because we don't know how, so companies don't know how to support generalists. They don't know how to progress them. They don't know how to manage them, frankly. So there is a whole educational piece, campaign opportunity um, for me. These are the things that keep me up at night um, to change that. Yeah. And whatever you'd observed, because I think what um, my sense is that you're doing kind of like community led recruiting or Mm -hmm. community led talent matching from people that are in the community with um, hiring managers, founders, executives, et cetera. What are you kind of seeing there from or maybe can you share an example about, you know, uh, maybe a founder that has a job description and what that how that may play out uh, and then getting someone placed within your community on that role. Like, what does that mm-hmm. kind of look like? I think we all see the JDs. We've kind of been through that process, mm-hmm. but it seems like you're kind of really in the um, in the trenches. Mm, yes, I would describe it as that. <laughs> uh, so I see generalist world as being made up of three things, three pillars. There's the community. And when you say community led, you were spot on. Community led everything. Um, I see it being made up of community, of resource, so like content and education, and then finally recruitment and job matching. And as I've gone through this early stage of starting a company and you're like, okay, it's just me as well as um, it's important to note. So I only have a finite amount of bandwidth to focus on something. And at first, my hypothesis was that it should be recruitment. It should be working with companies to help them place their generalists. But as I got deeper and deeper, um, I realized that what really ignited me and sparked me and um, really made use and leverage my skill set was the community and content side of things. So what I'm really hyper-focused on at the moment is being the source of truth for generalists um, so that we have all the support, all the education, all the resource we need so that everyone can go out and get the exact job that they want. So rather than focusing on the recruitment side where I'm kind of like hand-holding that like hiring process, I'm much more focused on the education um, and community side. Um, so yeah, that I mean, but also watch the space. Like that is where I am today. I think there's enormous opportunity for um, to work with companies to help people directly get jobs. Um, but for now, we're kind of more like aggregating um, generalist jobs. Okay. Is there... Um, okay, So and so you mentioned the three pillars of generalist world, and, mm-hmm. and you also mentioned that the, um, the rocket ship. Mm-hmm. And so it started off as conversations and trends, mm-hmm. in case we didn't mention it, trends as a community... Um, that was like started by the hustle, I think, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, started off as just having conversations, then started a slack. And then, you know, I think it was maybe, you know, June or July, a or June, maybe a hundred people. And then July 400, and then now over a thousand. Mm-hmm. Um, so some crazy, you know, rocket ship kind of growth. What do you think that that means? What, what, Yeah. It means that there is appetite. It means there is enormous appetite. It means that when someone lands on Generalist World, it's resonating so deeply that it's resulting, for example, we had one day last year where we had over 100 people apply to join the community. Um, I will just make a note that originally we were working on a freemium model. So you could come in for free and then there was like a paid tier. In 
uh, actually just a couple of weeks ago, I have changed that and we can talk, go into it if you like, but to be a fully paid community. Um, reason being, we had over a thousand people on the wait list. I literally could not let, um, couldn't keep opening the door without diluting the actual community experience that we had inside. And so I made the perhaps somewhat controversial decision to um, retrospectively um, change from a freemium to a fully paid membership. And we're only a few weeks in, but I 100% stand by that um, for a few reasons. One, it makes it a sustainable business. Mm. Um, you know, community, it gets a lot of um, like rainbows and clouds and sunshine and like, oh, community, it's fun. But boy, it is like, it's hard work. It's really, really hard work for community builders. So it needs to be a sustainable business first and foremost. And the on the community experience side, it means that every single person in there has skin in the game. They're mm. all committed. We also I also made the decision to only have um, a yearly membership, so not monthly. So every single person in there is aligned long term for the year. All of these things have been like very well, well thought out. Um, so yeah, our numbers in the community have dropped. I think we've got around 300 folks in there now, all paying. And that's the difference. And so we have like the community, which is fully paid, and then the content side, which is free. So folks can sign up and um, enjoy the generalist content. Got it, got it. Okay. Uh, so then those 1,000 plus people, it was like, do, are you committed long term? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. then, so now 300, got it. Yeah. What's been an interesting KPI to track is how many were like, no, I don't want to pay for a community two weeks ago and are now coming back. It's an interesting thing to be like, um, which I understand, you know, everything, social media has made us believe that everything should be free. And so it's, and like Slack communities are popping up like left, right and center and the vast majority of them are free. But then you have to look at the quality of what you're getting when you're inside and you're one of 20,000 people in a Slack community. Like how, how do you really moderate that? Um, so I guess it depends what folks are looking for. Um, for me, I really wanted to prioritize to be the most valuable community that people are a part of. And we're seeing that. Mm. And so it started off as kind of a side project and then mm. now full time for yeah. you. And so I think like that's what's you know really cool about portfolio careers is that you can build something on the side and then you never know where it goes. And in mm -hmm. your case, like you saw things taking off really quickly. And, yeah. Um, and on that note, like momentum, momentum is something that I've built multiple companies in the past and like getting momentum is like, it, it's a slog, right? <laughs> you're competing against like so many other companies. You're, you're really competing for attention. With Generalist World, there was something instant where it just resonated, it clicked with people. And it took me, I think about five weeks to quit my full-time job because momentum's a really hard thing to get back. So when I saw that people were so, so, so excited about it, uh, I had to go all in. Yeah, that's amazing. And what, and so the excitement, it really is around this kind of identity around being a generalist. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, I think so. Um, I think on the whole, generalists have been misunderstood, overlooked and undervalued forever. So if you then give folks a space where you're like the opposite of those three things and you're like, and you're also not alone, there's hundreds of us here, 
um, it is, it creates magic. Yeah. And so you mentioned this momentum that was coming, um, and a lot of, I think a lot of the traffic and a lot of interest and stuff is becoming from social media. Mm-hmm. Um, and Twitter has been a newer platform for you. I think, mm. you know, kind of starting in the summer of 2022 and now you've built up a, a pretty big following there and stuff. How, how do you, how do you think about tweeting? It's kind of meta to say, like, mm. how do you think about <laughs> writing? But like, I think that you, um, have obviously been sparking and gaining a lot of momentum there. What, how do you think about tweeting? Mm. So Twitter was something I avoided for a really long time. I think I was afraid of the trolls that I'd heard mm. about. And I was like, oh, I just don't need the negativity. And uh, that could not have been further from the reality of my personal experience of Twitter. So as you said, I joined in summer last year. So around nine months ago. And I think the way to look at Twitter is it's a tool. You have the power to curate exactly the, so for example, like I've muted Elon, the words Elon Musk and Twitter because like that's not my realm. You know, I don't, I don't need to be involved in that. I'm very specific in the people that I follow, the people I connect with. Um, and I think that the, the way to make it work on Twitter, and this sounds cheesy, but is being totally yourself. I think it really shows when you're following some kind of like system, quote unquote, um, or kind of blueprint that the huge Twitter accounts are like, do this and you'll like grow (laughs) into like a million followers overnight. Where um, for me, it's been really consistent every day and like not overthinking it. Like Mm. if a tweet doesn't land, cool, whatever, no one sees it, like who cares? Um, It's about consistently um, putting yourself out there and sharing the little tiny bits of the journey. So um, I see Twitter for me as a long game. We've spent, I've spent $0 on marketing for Generalist World. It's been entirely inbound from Twitter and LinkedIn. And I see it consistently where people have been following the journey for a while. It's a way to build trust. It's a way to give an insight into your build, your thinking, um, your values, who you are. And then people eventually, you know, it's the whole thing of like people trust people, not brands. Um, So it's um, for me, it's been an absolutely incredible tool and has been a huge part of the success of Generalist World. Mm. I mean, we're having this conversation because of Twitter, right? Exactly. (laughs) Totally. Two friends tagged tagged (laughs) us and said, hey, you know, I think your your tweet was saying, hey, I'm coming to New York and Chicago. Is anybody doing, and maybe another city, maybe Boston, uh, does anybody do any in-person recording, podcast recordings? And Thank you, Twitter. (laughs) Here we are. (laughs) I got lucky. Um, (laughs) All right. So it's about momentum and trust. um, And... And sharing a little bit of the journey. Mm. Um, the other thing I was just thinking about was so now now General's World's full time. Mm-hmm. Um, what what's kind of what's the hard part of of building this community? What do you think mm. has been the like? Ha, ha, how do you figure out what to focus on? Like, what mm. are the levers that you say like okay? Because you mentioned Twitter is like I'm just going to keep showing up repeatedly and repeatedly. Mm-hmm. When you're thinking about building General's World, what what are the kind of the the levers, because I'm sure there's no shortage of Slack messages and, mm. and DMs. And mm-hmm. yeah, so how do you think about like what's really important to move the needle? Yeah, great question. And I think being a generalist, it's uh, 
sometimes a blessing and a curse because I can see all of these routes and all of these ways that I could grow it and all of these levers that I can pull. Um, and honestly, I think the the best advice I can give here is to be so close to the community. Like I've lost count of the one-to-one conversations mm. I've had. Um, and it comes back to like, know your member, know your customer. Um, because it's easy to kind of see when you when you first come across a problem like okay so where do generalists fit into the world and the workplace of course there's so many different ways you could kind of broach that um different angles you could approach that from but really what it comes down to is you don't know until you start Mm. and my thesis and my way of building businesses is just get stuck in roll up your sleeves test 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 and uh sometimes it's uh data-driven and most of the time it's intuition driven Mm. it's um it's watching i think one of my kind of superpowers is being um being really able to connect with people um and super empathetic understanding their journey understanding their problems and their challenges and then being able to connect them to whatever they need in that moment um which is why i think community like really appeals to me it's super rewarding Uh, so i would say when you're up against all of the different levers um you don't need to pull a lever all the way down you know you can just like give it a you can test a couple um and most importantly like don't get so married to an idea that so for example if i'd gotten so married to the idea that you know recruitment was the way to go i would have totally missed that it was actually the community aspect that people really really deeply crave the camaraderie Mm. the support the peer-to-peer learning i would have missed that because i would have been so focused on um trying to place generalists in companies um so yeah i think it's like what is that saying um loosely oh i forget um but it's like having having a pretty good strong views loosely held strong views loosely held something like that yeah yeah yeah. um yeah so it's about seeing what's on offer and um really genuinely listening and getting feedback from folks and just doing little experiments yeah um how do you think you developed that superpower of connecting with people, having great conversations like this one? Yeah. Well, I think out of necessity, I am from New Zealand. I left when I was 20. Um, I'm now 31 and I've been traveling, living around the world ever since. And to do that, you have to get pretty good at connecting with people. Um, For about six years, I was working in travel. So as a tour guide, I guided thousands of people across the globe um, and across many different countries. And I like to think that was the beginning of my community building Mm. experience. I was bringing people together. Um, It was like hosting big parties constantly, like a big dinner party. (laughs) You have to like know people's dietary requirements. You Mm. have to know what they're, why they're here. What are they searching for? What are they seeking? What are they running from? So um, to be a tour guide, you have to wear many, many hats and you have to be able to connect this group of people who do not know each other, but are about to spend the next seven to 14 days together in a foreign country. Um, so to do start that when I was like 23 uh, was a bit of a baptism of fire. And um, yeah, I guess like accelerated my ability to bring people together. But to be honest, I think it was maybe something that comes quite natural as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. And uh, to put a little bit more context to this, I think it's so fascinating that 
you live in Scotland mm-hmm. in a small town of maybe 150 people. Mm-hmm. And I, we mentioned Journalist World had a thousand people. Now there's mm-hmm. 300 people. Mm-hmm. How does that feel to know that like <laughs> you're living in a, like I'm in New York, which is, you know, millions of people. Yeah. Um, yeah. How does that feel to know that you're living in this smaller town, mm-hmm. but then there's this larger community? Mm-hmm. Global. Yeah. Yeah. It's surreal some days, to be honest. Um, I think my, my biggest feeling is just how fortunate I am to be living in this day and age where the connectivity and the accessibility of connecting with people is like the best it's ever been. So yeah, as you said, I, I actually live on an island, which is even more um, remote and secluded than like a town, I guess. So I live on an island off an island off the mainland. So <laughs> it's pretty wild to be building this whole thing from this island. Um, I will say that I think living on the island, it's a community of 170 people, has actually been really helpful in building my online community as well. Because at the end of the day, community, whether it's online or in real life, has the same fundamental values. Um, And I think living on the island has taught me a bunch about, um, you know, being authentic, being truly there for your neighbor, going above and beyond for people. so yeah, I think there's a huge amount of crossover. Yeah. Love that. Um, is there anything else you want to share about living on the island? Well, I've been there for about two years. Um, it, I would say the first kind of year was like really romantic and it was like, oh my gosh, I live on like this like <laughs> island. My husband was making whiskey. Like it was just like the, the lovely like romantic move to the Scottish Highlands um, story. I will say it has made me hardy. So like we live in a house that's 150 years old. It is only connected. um, So there's no central heating. It's only warmed by our like wood stoves. It's a pretty like hardy existence. (laughs) Mm. Um, So you mean like tough, tough, exactly. Like the winters are long We're we're on a similar latitude to Alaska to give you an idea of like how dark and cold it gets in the winter. And going from like being a tour guide, like gallivanting around the world, like I think I skipped winter for six years in a row to living in the Scottish Highlands um, has really, um, I guess, opened up my like toolkit of like resourcefulness and toughness. And uh, yeah, for me, it's, it's a once in a lifetime experience. I don't think we'll be there forever. Um, but to, to be able to live a part of this, like my, 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 my theory in life is if it's going to make a good story, say yes. And that's kind of been my guiding principle and how I've ended up there and how I'm here. I just say yes to things that um, are going to make really good stories. It hasn't, uh, hasn't (laughs) put me too wrong so far. (laughs) Is, uh, is there another story that's been, uh, that you want to share of, uh, kind of a serendipitous moment? I would say this trip. Um, so this trip, I, it was two weeks prior that I had no idea I was coming to America. Um, a woman, I'll give her a shout out actually, her name is Shana Anderson. She's starting a company called Hello Generalist, which is very focused on um, helping generalists get more like fractional um, roles in companies. She reached out. She was like, I'm starting this company. We're both like generalists for the win. We had a couple of calls and realized that there was a lot of things, a lot of crossover in the things that we were doing. And 
I like to, um, I guess, increase my surface area of luck by just like diving headfirst into things. And I was like, you know what? Should we just meet? Should should we? I'm living in Scotland. She's in San Francisco. And luckily she had a similar um, mindset to me. And she was like, heck yeah, I have a spare bedroom. And so two weeks later, I was on a plane to San Francisco to meet Shana in real life. And we had a wonderful week together. We turned her living room into, um, I guess, a strategic planning um, home office where we both um, got to really dive deep into who a generalist is, how can we help, where do we fit into companies, where do we fit into the world. So um, I'll probably end that story there because there's um, still ongoing developments with Shana and I, but I would strongly recommend checking out Hello Generalist as well. Cool. All right. Um, Is there anything else that you think that we missed about generalist world, being a generalist? I would say that the, the wonderful thing about generalist world I found is that people either, it's either hot or cold. You read it, you, you, people listening to this will either be like, I have no idea what you're talking about, or they'll be like, that is me. Oh my gosh, I can't believe there's other people like me. She's just verbalized all of these things that I've been thinking. Um, so I would say that if you're on the hot, the hot end of the spectrum, um, reach out, say hi. Um, our community is growing every single day. Um, we Most of our folks are based in the UK, Europe and the US at the moment. So we haven't even like touched like Australia, New Zealand and Asia. Very excited too though. So I would just say if you're curious, then come check out um, it's just generalist.world. Uh, and yeah, would love to love to meet more generalists. Love it. Awesome. Thank you so much, Millie. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Hey, friend. Thank you for tuning in to this special episode of Portfolio Career Podcast. Would love to hear what you learned and what you enjoyed. Um, you can find me on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, whatever is best for you. And as a reminder, I'm just one email away as well. This episode with timestamp notes is available on my website at PortfolioCareerPodcast.com. There you can subscribe to my newsletter called One Email Away, which includes the best insights from the podcast and friend-sourced opportunities. So excited for you to build and grow your portfolio career. Thank you so much. 